Thank you for joining us at Creative Church. We pray that this word blesses your heart and blesses your life. And if it has, I want to encourage you to feed what's feeding you and to give to what's giving to you. The easiest way to do this is to visit creativechurch.com give. Thank you for your faithfulness and your generosity. Be sure to like this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure to click on the notifications so you never miss an encouraging word from Creative Church. Insane. But today I'm wrapping up our Tell the Truth, Shame the Devil series. So let's all stand for the reading of God's word here for just a moment. I want you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 17. Chapter 18, verse 17. Which is honor God's word here. And it says, it's an interesting verse. But we're going to dig into it. It says, in a lawsuit, the first to speak seems right until someone comes forward and cross-examines. Today's part of the series, today's message is called Cross-Examined. Examining things again through the lens of the cross. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for your word and your truth. Help us to deliver this. Speak to us. Show us everything you've got for us today. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. You guys can have a seat. So if you're joining us, maybe you're new to the series. We've been talking all month. So Pastor Jonathan is just bringing it just some knowledge and some truth. And we've been talking all month about it. Um, but that's what these blocks are. I'm just going to kind of kind of recap a little bit about these blocks. Um, this, is, this tower here is the way the world is building life. This is the way, um, without God, this is how we build life a lot of times. And over here is the way God's word teaches us to build our life. And so um, we kind of break it down. It's a little bit different. And so the, the, down here, they, they build with their foundation the world builds with the foundation of compassion, which doesn't sound bad. It seems right. It seems right. We should have compassion. But that's not the foundation that we build on. We build our foundation on God's truth. That's first and foremost. So compassion seems right. But truth is what we have to live on. I'll never forget, I was talking to my small group a couple of weeks ago, and I shared this story you know, I uh, came into the office one day and I'm, I'm hanging out and a co-worker came and said, hey, Andrew, have you lost some weight? You're looking a little slim. And I'm like, I don't think so. I, don't, I haven't checked the scale lately, but maybe, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's my skinny jeans. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, after that, I kind of held my head up a little higher, put my chest down. I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm doing good with this. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. And then I, uh, a couple days later, another person came and said, hey, you're looking pretty slim. I think I just got a fresh haircut that day, you know, and it looks like aerodynamic. And then I was like, oh, you're, you're, you're the second person that said that to me this week. <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe it's true. I'm like, yeah, I feel, I feel good after this. This is this is awesome. I'm like staying this way. I'm like, hey, what's up? Stand this way. You can't see me. You can't see me. I'm looking good. And I'm like, man, this is, this is great. And what was really cool about it is that I knew that my annual physical was coming up, right, with the doctor. And I'm like, oh, I remember last year 
the doctor told me about the weight I need to lose. He's going to be so impressed with me. He's going to be so impressed. I'm going to blow him away. It's going to be awesome. So I get ready for this doctor's appointment, and I go down there, and, and I'm like, this is good. It's time to get on the scale. It's time to show him. He's got a chart out, and he's looking at, you know, what I was, what I weighed last time. He's going to be so impressed. I get on that scale. I'm like, this is it. This is the moment of truth. He's like, all right, good to see. All right. Uh, looks like you've, since last time, you've gained 15 pounds. I'm like, no, this jacket is kind of heavy. You know, you know, you feel like that's the reason why. And uh, something's wrong with this scale. And although it was very nice that people said that, made me feel good, it was very compassionate of them, it wasn't the truth. Right? It seemed right. And I even started feeling like, well, everybody has been saying this. It must be true. And it's very nice of them. And I felt good about it, but it wasn't true. And I didn't realize it wasn't true until it, we examined it. I was at a physical exam and realized, no, that's not true. That's actually the opposite of what's actually going on. And now that I know what's actually going on, now the doctor can say, hey, Andrew, the truth is you need to lay off the donuts. <laughs> that's the truth. And I'm like offended, like, oh, yeah, you need a toupee. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> right, but you react sometimes when someone tells you the truth because the truth sometimes is hard. You know? I, I, I like donuts, so I don't, you know, but that's, that's the difference. So just because people say it, and even though that people are nice about it, right, people are compassionate, People want to make you feel good. It may not be the actual truth. It may not be the truth. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. It's not that you go around and be mean to people, but sometimes you have to tell the truth. That's why then you build it on imperfect love and it's disguised as love. You build that on top of this um, just because you want to love everyone and make everyone feel good. We were taught as children, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, right? And that's nice to teach manners to kids, but uh, when you really care about someone, you're really trying to help someone, that's actually not uh, always helpful. Sometimes the, not, the thing to say is not nice, but it's the truth, right? The thing to actually say, stand up and say, is actually not always nice, and you can't be the person that just shies away from it because, ah, oh, it's not nice, I don't want to offend them. The truth is sometimes offensive. And the truth is sometimes hurtful. Truth hurts. Right? And, you, and, and they can decide to ignore the truth. Like some people do when the doctors tell them not to eat donuts. But, but, that's on them. At that point, you at least told them the truth. Right? And so, um, Ephesians 4.15 says, we want to be speaking the truth in love. So it's not that there's not love. Is that it's love based on truth, though, right? Speak the truth in love so that we may grow up in all things to him who is the head, which is Christ, right? Over here, we're building, uh, well, the truth is that that's wrong. The truth is there's right and wrong. The truth is the Bible lays it out. The truth is God's word. And so justice, God's justice comes out of that, that there is really a heaven or a hell, 
There is really, though, that's really justice. There is really judgment that happens. But then we realize and we learn through reading scripture and, and engaging with God that Jesus Christ came to pay that cost for us, pay the price for us so that we can have mercy on our lives. We deserved that kind of judgment, but Jesus took it on him to pay the price for us in exchange to give us freedom. That's the mercy that we live in. That is Jesus. That's the gospel. Right over here now, we're now dealing with relativism. We're dealing with, well, if it's right for you, then go. That's fine. It's your truth and this is my truth and that's their truth and let's just let everyone have their own truth. But that can't be true. There is a truth. Society has been speaking about some of these hot topic issues and sharing their side while the church has been silent. So much so that what they're saying, the way of building seems right. Like compassion seems right. And people build on that. Everybody's truth is their truth. It seems right until cross-examined. Until you look at it again, let's examine it through the cross and realizing that the whole reason the cross even is a part of the story is because of this mercy, which is only built this way. The truth is lay off the donuts. Whether you, whether you want to or not, that's actually the truth. The truth. The truth is found here. The truth is you shouldn't sleep with your boyfriend. Well, everybody says, and everyone's cool with it, and they kind of, everyone says, let's do our thing. Culture says it. TV shows say it. This is normal. This is, you know, just let them be. Don't come down on them. They're just doing their thing. Yeah, okay, that's nice, but that's not the truth. And at some point, we got to have a revelation of the truth and make changes. Because you're no longer ignorant. You actually know the truth now. The truth is you shouldn't mistreat your wife. Oh, well, that's how my dad did it. And people from where I'm from, that's how they talk to their wives. You know, they say that kind of stuff. You know, that's just how we live. And that's just, you know, we look down on, you know, we talk down to them. We call them names, whatever. That's what we do. You know, don't, hey, that's, you do your way, Andrew. We'll, I'll do my way. Okay, I can be nice about it or I can tell you the truth. And the truth is you got to change something. That's the truth. Or else you're building the whole thing the wrong way. Am I right? The truth is, the truth is that God has designed us. The truth that we've been talking about lately, that God has designed us, male and female. That's the truth. Well, you might feel, well, I, I think maybe God made a mistake. I'm a man, but I feel like, I feel like I'm supposed to be a woman. God made a mistake. I, I should be a woman, so I should change myself to be a woman. And we could say, you know, hey, your truth is your truth. Hey, it's all relative. You know, let's, let's be cool about it. And that's fine. Let's, you know. But the truth is, woman means a human with a womb. That's the actual truth. Womb in a human. Woman. That's what it means. If you don't have a womb, you're not a woman. I don't know. You might have just clicked off right there, went to another Facebook channel. 
You might have just, you might be walking out and that's okay because at least on the way out, you heard the truth. And, and it's not to bring shame on anyone but the devil because he's been lying to us. And then, you, and then you get to the place where it's social justice. So if you're out of line with any of this, now we're going to bring, we're going to take justice into our own hands, the people's justice. We're going to make you pay. We're going to cancel you. We're going to take justice into our own hands, figure out what to do, which often then leads to war, leads to mob, leads to torment, leads to riot. Whereas over here, because of the mercy of God, now we understand the real perfect love of God. And we can live that out. And when we have the perfect love of God, now we can actually live in peace. Peace with each other. Peace with God. Peace with where our soul is going. That's the peace that surpasses all understanding. The world doesn't know that peace. That's the kind of peace God is trying to get us to. 1 Corinthians 13, 6. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And it starts, with, it starts with the foundations. The way we deal with all this, it starts with the foundations. This side over here is about people on the throne. People make the decisions of what's right or wrong. This side is God on the throne. That's the main difference. Here is a bunch of different people making decisions, kind of scattered. You know, I was, it was interesting because I have a lot of friends and family outside of this country and uh, a lot of people I talk to, you might have heard this, outside of this country, they, um, they nickname our country the states. I'm traveling to the states. I have a brother in the states. You know, I'm ordering that from the states. I just went to vacation on the, in the states. But that's not the name of our country, right? Why did they take the word united out of it? Could it be that from the outside looking in, this place doesn't really look that united. Knowingly or not, I think that has something to do with it. It's the states. But if we're really honest, we're not that united. We're probably one of the most divisive places. Like, it's like when people look at the church. And the division and the offenses and the, and the walls people put up. And people look at the church and say, that doesn't look like something God would be putting together. Yeah, it's not. It's not. In a nation like this, it's every man for themselves, every culture for themselves, every race for themselves, every political party for themselves, every generation for themselves, fighting against everyone else, us versus them. That's actually more what's going on here. That's why you should never leave a church based on an offense. That person offended me. That leader wasn't nice to me. That pastor didn't wave to me when I saw him in the mall. I'm leaving this place. Because it's not about that. We got to make our decisions based on the truth, the voice of truth. You should leave or stay in any church or ministry because you heard the voice of truth. Leading you and guiding you and nothing else. Not your feelings, not your hurt feelings, not somebody's mistake even, because it's not based on a person who are all humans and make mistakes. It's based on God. This is everyone scattered. It looks like we're together, but we're not, like a sandbox. Like you look at sand in a sandbox, it looks like one thing. 
But it only takes you a moment to grab a hold of it to realize it's not. A bunch of million, a million little pieces of grain that are close, but not together. That are next to each other, but not united. They can't move together. But we are the church that's united in Christ, united in truth. And we move together. God, Christ holds all things together. We pray together. We preach together. We make movements together. We go by ranches together. That's unity, right? That is, that is the unity that God has envisioned for the church. That's the rock that we're built on, not the sand. It reminds me of Matthew 7, 24 through 27. You're taking notes. Jot this one down. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, they hear what the Bible says about all of these topics. They've read it, they've seen it, they've heard sermons on it, and have still decided, I do not want to live that way. They've seen the scripture about what it says about all of these pop culture hot topic buttons. There is a definition of what it is here. There is a definition of marriage here. There is a definition of how you treat your family here. There is a definition of how you treat the church here. There is a definition of honor in here. There is a definition of righteousness in here. Anyone who takes this and does not put this into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. What is your house, what is your life built on? The foundation is something way deep, deep down, like people can't see that. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the, people thing, at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So what I want to do is look at these two structures, look at these two towers and and through the lens of three just three I could go on but three Bible character comparisons because this this is all I got this is, this is my tool here today all right so we're gonna look in here and find out how this plays out the first one is in first Samuel the prophet was talking about Saul the king compared to David the future king Saul and David. Saul was the king who looked like the right guy. Tall, handsome, athletic, strong, stood out among everybody. It seemed right. That seemed like the king we should choose. David, on the other hand, was this youth, this teenager, this young guy who didn't really have all that. He didn't have the same charisma and, and natural standout ability that like Saul. He kind of was hidden off in the hills, tending to his sheep and playing the harp writing poetry. It didn't seem like the person that you'd think would be God's leader, right? But all the while, he's building his foundation on the rock, on the truth of God's word and being in his presence, right? 
So it wasn't what, and the storm comes in both of their lives. Mistakes, sin, all that. Both of them messed up with some things. The storm hit them both. And the only difference is what their foundation was built on. Did it just look good, but was built on a shaky foundation? Or was it really, really solid that when the storm came, David could withstand? Because storms come, storms are things in the atmosphere that aren't necessarily about a specific person or sometimes the things that attack us, they don't come as, like a, as a person. Sometimes it's spiritual. Sometimes the storm comes from in the form of stress, media, political climate, cultural pressure, anxiety, your past creeping up on you, can't seem to let go of that unforgiveness, your ex showing up. I don't know if anybody's been through a storm like that, but life, Pastor Jonathan always says life is not about the storms you dodged. Life is about the storms you went through and kept going. The difference is what is our foundation on? Another one I want to, another Bible character comparison I want to look at is Judas and Peter, two of the apostles, two of the disciples that were with Jesus, walked with Jesus, spent time with Jesus. Judas built his life like this. He was over here and he, he had compassion. He was like, hey, when, when that woman broke the alabaster jar to worship God, he said, wait a minute. We could have taken that, sold it, it's very expensive, and given that money to the poor. That's, Ju- that's Judas, compassion. That seems right. In fact, if I heard Judas say that, I probably in that moment would say, yeah, that seems right. That was a waste. And Jesus was like, no, it's not a waste. It's not a waste for someone to focus first on worshiping the one that saved her soul. That's not a waste. We'll have plenty of time to do things for the poor. It's not that we're taking ministering to the poor out of the equation. It's just that we're putting things in order. Right? And that's where Judas messed up. And then he had the imperfect love. You know he had imperfect love because... When it came time to betray Jesus, he chose to betray him with a kiss. Masked as actual love. Then it was relativism. Judas was an Iscariot. Iscariots were a group of fanatic Jews who wanted to revolt against Rome at the time. It's a political party that were trying to create an uprising against Rome. And he may have thought, Judas may have thought that Jesus was the one that was going to come and lead this revolution, this violent revolution against Rome, this insurrection. And he thought, Judas thought he'd be in the inner circle of this revolution when it happened because he's one of the 12. And when he realized that's actually not on Jesus' agenda to start a fight like that, he had a bigger fight he was doing. Judas didn't understand it. In fact, John 6 says that many disciples stopped following Jesus when they realized he's not actually doing this whole violent uprising thing that we thought he was supposed to do. And the, the betrayal of Judas might have been Judas's like final attempt to entice and instigate Jesus into starting this war. I don't think he intended to get Jesus actually crucified. He thought that that moment, that arrest That trial would lead Jesus to finally bring in the Calvary and let's do this thing. Let's overthrow Rome. So 
So Judas had a whole different way of seeing this thing. He had his own truth about what was supposed to happen than what Jesus was saying and what Jesus was teaching. So much so that Jesus said, go do your thing. Go do your thing. Do what you have to do. He already knew he was going to be trained. Then he took justice into his own hands, went behind Jesus' back, right, and sold out the information of where to find Jesus for 30 pieces of silver so that he could get justice going himself. Am I right about this? And he could entice, he could help start the whole community against Jesus, against the truth, so that they would threaten to crucify him. And he thought it was going to start the war that he wanted, but instead it started an internal war inside Judas. He was so convicted when it all happened, when his Lord was actually going to be crucified. He was so ashamed. He even wanted to give back the money. He was, the Bible says he was tormented then by demons. And he became suicidal to the point where he actually committed suicide. I've been, this sounds like, sounds really familiar to me because I've been doing youth ministry for 20 years. And this is the way they train us as teenagers and young adults. This is the way the world tells us to live. And it seems right, but it ends up in this internal torment and conflict that we don't understand. Why do we think teenagers and young adults Uh, anxiety rates and depression rates and internal conflict rates are rising. Suicide is the third leading cause of death among teenagers in this state. This is where it leads. There's no wonder why there's internal war going on because that's the only way it leads. That's the only way it leads. In contrast, Peter was building his foundation on the truth. Jesus even had a conversation with him one night and said, hey, who do people say that I am? Peter was like, well, some people say you're Elijah. Some people say you're a prophet. Some people say you're John the Baptist. You know, there's a lot of things. And then he stopped and he said, well, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Messiah. You're the one that came to save us. You're the one that came to deliver us. At some point, we got to get to the place. He was asking his followers not to worry about what other people say. What do you say? Do you know who I really am? Not what your pastor even says, not what a book says, not what your parents have said, your neighbors have said, coworkers have said. There comes a point where we come to a personal revelation of who Jesus really is, the truth for ourselves. Is he this legend? Is he a myth? Is he this character? Is he someone that some people write about, make movies about, paint paintings about, make jokes about? Or is he your deliverer? Is he your hope? Is he your healer? Is he your way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper? Is he your Messiah? Is he the one that came to save you? Be still, he says, and know that I am God. And then he celebrated Peter. He said, no one has even told you that. My father in heaven revealed that to you. So if you know someone, I'm telling you, if you know someone right now that is down this path and there's no convincing them that this is the path leading to war and torment, this is the path leading to unrighteousness and death and apart from God, this is not God's way. And you know someone that is kind of climbing down that path and you're like, man, I wish you would just come to church. Man, I wish you would just know. I w-. And they say, you're just too judgmental. Leave me alone and all that kind of stuff. That's that's something that you have to pray for them about so that the father in heaven is the one that can reveal to them who Jesus really is and what the truth really is so that they can reset that foundation.
foundations. That's what Peter did. That's the difference. Peter wasn't a better man. He just had a revelation. And that's that revelation is why Jesus changed his name to Peter, which means the rock upon which I'll build my church. And the storm comes to both of them. That moment, Good Friday, that came to both of them. And they went in different directions. Maybe that storm that's coming through your life is an illness, an injury. Maybe that storm is a whirlwind going through your family, divorce knocking at the door of your marriage, the storm of your life. Maybe that storm is craziness that's happened at school or that no one had control over. A storm is a racist remark from someone that you trusted and you thought they would never say anything. That storm may be a health crisis, COVID going through your family right now. Maybe that storm is something impacting the atmosphere in a way you couldn't explain or even predict. You can do like a 10-day prediction of storms, but you don't know what storm is going to hit you in January, what layoff is coming in May, what's going to happen to your kid at school next September. Five years from now, the the illness that's going to come and the storm that's going to hit you. You can't predict all of that. It comes at you like a storm. And the only way you survive is what your house is built upon. Are you letting culture and society build your life or are you letting God's word, the truth, be the rock and the foundation that you build it on? As the band comes up, the final character comparison I want to talk about is, you might remember this character, he's not as known, but his name is Barabbas. And Jesus. And if you don't recall, they're getting ready to crucify Jesus. They put him on trial. And he was being arrested, and the justice system actually said, this guy's done nothing wrong. The truth is, he's actually innocent. But for fear, the imperfect love, based on fear, for fear of a riot, the person in charge, Pilate, said, I'm going to let you people decide. It's not going to be based on truth anymore. It's going to be based on what you guys want. And they said, we'll release one of these prisoners, Jesus or Barabbas. And they said, Barabbas was a murderer. Barabbas was a violent person. And the people shouted to free Barabbas instead of Jesus. And they said, what should, what should we do with Jesus? And they said, crucify him. The people, the Jews, Jesus' own people. And I always wondered, why would they pick Barabbas, the murderer, over Jesus, who's clearly innocent? Actually, Barabbas was the second part of his name. The first part of his name was Jesus. And Barabbas means son of the father. So over here stands Jesus, son of the father. And over here stands Jesus, son of the father. You can probably see how confusing that all of a sudden is. They're picking which Jesus they want. Is it the Jesus that they call him Barabbas, the leader of the insurrection? He, he was on Judas' side. He was one of the guys that was going to start that revolution. He was one of the guys that was going to do the violent uprising. That's the murders he had committed. It was to try to re- revolt against Rome. That was, so it wasn't that he was this brutal, evil guy, the bad guy that was going to roam around the neighborhood and, and the Jews were going to be scared of him. They weren't scared of him. They were, Barabbas was their champion. 
that Jesus was the Jesus they wanted. That was the Jesus they wanted. The one that would start a war. Which Jesus do you want? Which Jesus does this world want? The one that will help us take matters in our own hands and deal with things the way we want to deal with it and leave this whole thing behind us? Or the one that stands up to fulfill the truth and the promises and the prophecies in this Bible? The real Jesus, the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, who's laying down his life so that you don't have to go to war. That's how much he loves you. And I want to declare this scripture to you guys today, Isaiah 58, 9 through 12, and I'm going to close with this. Then you, you, creative church, you watching online, you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk on social media, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry to satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will always guide you. So it's not that, again, it's not that compassion is wrong here. It should just be guided by the Lord. Not guided by what we think. By our own human reasoning. Because his ways are above our ways and his thoughts are above our thoughts. And he loves people better than we do anyway. His justice is better than our justice. His mercy is stronger than our compassion. His love is perfect and ours is imperfect. It's the right stuff. It's just out of order. And when you take God out, you get out of order. Let God be God and every man a liar. It continues to say, he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. He will strengthen your frame so storms don't knock you down. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. The Passion Translation says, building anew on the foundations laid long before you. You'll be called repairer of the broken walls, restorer of the streets with dwellings. There is a people rising up who are saying, no, I know where the world is going, but it's time to go back to the old, ancient foundations of truth. His word that has been here long before us and will outlive us. His truth. Jesus says heaven and earth will pass away. But my words, my words will never pass away. The premise of this foundation is that, the premise of this foundation is that in our thinking, most people think that people are inherently on their way to heaven if they're a good person. They're just going on their way to heaven as long as you're not Hitler. In fact, if you ask most people, hey, if you were to die today, do you think you'd go to heaven or hell? Most people say heaven. And when you ask why, they say, because I'm a good person. I haven't killed anyone. That's what most people say. But that's not how the Bible says you get to heaven. For none are actually good enough. All have fallen, sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, fallen short of heaven. So not, nothing, we, none of our good deeds gets us into heaven. 
That's, that's the problem. The problem is this foundation is built on the premise that we're all going to heaven. And then when we preach the Bible to people, people think we're damning them to hell. So we're the enemy. The church is the enemy. But you've got it confused, my friend. You, you, you're mistaken. This is built on the premise that we're actually all on our way to hell. And we preach the Bible not to damn you, but to save you, to let you know about a Jesus that died on the cross for you, that paid the price for you so you don't have to, so you can be reconciled, so you can be washed, you can be made righteous in his presence and enter into his glory. That's the difference. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. That's what we're preaching. If you know Jesus, if you know Jesus, then you're already set up on the right foundation. If you're apart from Jesus, you're already off. You're already on shaky ground that's going to collapse. Proverbs says there's a way that seems right to man. But in the end, it leads to destruction. It seems right until cross-examined, until you examine it under the light of the cross. Let's all stand to our feet here. John 8, 32, you should know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you're here today and you're saying, you know what? Somehow, someway, I got on this wrong path. And it seemed right. It, it seemed right. It seemed like it made sense. This is what everybody was saying. This is what everybody was doing. It made sense. Until, until today, until this moment here, that, that I had an encounter with the truth. An encounter with what the cross really was for. And I realized I've been doing it wrong. I've been doing it wrong. And if you're here today and you just want to reset your foundations for just a moment, no one moving around, everyone just pause, eyes closed, just for a quick moment. Because even if this is not for you, at least honor the moment for the person that it is for. If that's you today and you just want to pray that prayer today and say, you know what, I want to reset my foundations. I want to come to the cross. Peter wasn't better than Judas. Saul wasn't better than David. The only difference is that they came, they had an encounter with the cross, they had an encounter with the truth, and they had a revelation of who Jesus really is, and it changed their life. And they realized, I can't build this thing by myself. I need him. If you're here and you say, I've not been building with Jesus, I need him, and I want him to be my foundation. I want to set things right. I don't want you to leave today without getting right with Jesus. If that's you, no one looking around, I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. I just want our team to pray for you. If that's you, I just want you to lift up your hand where you are. If you want to pray, give your life to Jesus today. I see some hands over here. Raise your hand up high. I want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The most important decision I ever made was to reset that foundation and give my life to Jesus. So we're going to get ready to pray. Riley's going to come up here and lead us in that prayer today and I believe that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose again 
that you will be saved. Come on, right, let's pray this. Amen. I'm going to ask for everybody here in the room just to lift up one hand with me. And let's all pray this together. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross and rising again for my sins. Thank you for doing that for me. Cleanse me. Forgive me for everything I've done wrong against you and everything I've done wrong against my brothers and sisters. Make me new today. I declare that after today, my life will never, ever be the same. Amen.